Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org. Good morning. For today's Every Day is Earth Day, we will be talking about the Minnesota Climate Action Plan. Last week, the new legislation and funding passed during the 2023 legislative session that advances the administration's climate action plan. And with me today, I have Frank Kolosh, who is now the Assistant Commissioner of Air and Climate Policy in Minnesota and former Climate Director for the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency. And he's here to talk about the Minnesota Climate Action Plan. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Karen. Thank you for having me. So a lot has gone on. This has been under talk for a long time by the legislature, and something has finally happened. And let's talk about that. What was it that happened, and what does it mean? Yes, certainly a a monumental year for Minnesota, particularly on climate action. Uh, As you mentioned, in September of 2022, the Walsh Flanagan administration released the Climate Action Framework, which outlines the priorities across all of the sectors that emit greenhouse gases for the what the the priorities and strategies that we should be moving forward with in the state and also addressing how Minnesota needs to move forward with preparing for a changing climate and building our resiliency for the the weather and conditions that we're seeing as Minnesota becomes warmer and wetter with more heavy precipitation events, more heavy winds, and the damages that those brings to communities. So that that sets the foundation for a, a bold set of policy and budget requests from the governor's office, also being underpinned by the, uh, the forecasted surplus that the state had and uh, really allowed us to have a, a, a historic investment in climate action in Minnesota. And then with the cooperation and collaboration with the Minnesota House and the Minnesota Senate, we were able to make significant investments that underpin and are supported by Minnesota's climate action framework to both build our resiliency to a changing climate but also look for opportunities to reduce emissions and to grow a clean economy and grow clean jobs in Minnesota. How much was the total amount we're talking about dollar-wise? A total amount, we don't have the, the full number added up yet because oh. we're still going through a number of the omnibus bills that we have. Uh, but when we requested uh, through the governor's process, we requested more than $700 million for climate investments. And I think that the total amount will be a bit more than that because we were able to see a lot of specific climate action, but there's also a lot of investments in the types of projects and, and, and the types of funding sources that will be climate-related to, again, help us build more resilient buildings, build buildings that are more prepared for climate change and are reducing emissions. And so we're still adding up all of the omnibus bills that we had and finding out exactly what was the total investment. But uh, we do know there was a significant amount invested in climate action in Minnesota. So does this mean that some things maybe won't be done that were talked about in this action plan because the money isn't necessarily going to be there for sure? So uh, a lot of the items in the climate action framework will now have a a strong infusement of money to start moving forward. There are some items that aren't going to be done, but we knew that when we wrote the Climate Action Framework. We tried to be as comprehensive as possible 
and, and really being identifying different kinds of actions that could move forward both at the state government, but also importantly by individuals, by businesses, by the private sector, and then by cities and counties and tribal governments as well. So we're looking for ways that we can really bring together and, and get that force multiplier of everyone acting on it. But when we wrote the Climate Action Framework, there was not an intention that we would be able to even have the, the person power or the, the brain power or the, the financial backing to do everything in the framework. I think we are very pleased uh, at, within the administration and across the, the House and the Senate about the level of investments that we were able to make to really advance significant portions of the climate action framework. Frank, the news release that came out last week from the governor and lieutenant governor talked about this as a historic climate action legislation. And it says that the legislature approved more than 40 climate initiatives in energy, environment, agriculture, health, transportation, and construction. So what really makes this historic? I think it is the full coverage. It's not just about the amounts of dollars that's going into climate action, but it's the across and the all agencies of government, all agencies of Minnesota's climate change sub-cabinet. So as you, you listed the, the areas that are funded and given direction to, we're now seeing investments in the ability to use Minnesota's natural landscapes as ways to store carbon to turn around the, the emissions that we're seeing, the, and that also creates jobs. It also gets into the construction of how our buildings are built, what our new buildings might be looking like to be energy efficient so they're cheaper to operate and less impactful on the climate, but also investments in existing buildings and how do we get people uh, all across Minnesota and all across income levels in Minnesota the opportunity to take advantage of weatherization and energy efficiency so that they can reduce their energy bills and also contribute to climate action. So I think it's really the not it's the breadth of coverage of all of the sectors and all of the areas that we're making investments in that makes it historic because we are taking an all-government approach. We're also looking at the ability to grow a clean economy, grow clean jobs, and also address inequities that exist in our society through these actions to ensure that everyone has an opportunity to benefit from these investments. In the document that came out, it's a very long document of listing the different things that will be included in this legislation. And one of the largest numbers I think I saw, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, I saw more than $45 million over the next four years toward improving homes to be safe and warm, and that's for pre-weatherizing homes and training workers. And that seems to be one of the biggest chunks. Is that Am I right, or is there something I missed there? There are other larger investments oh, that okay. are being made. Uh, so, for example, at the Pollution Control Agency, we have received uh, $105 million for climate resiliency grants and climate resiliency and climate action planning grants. Uh, those are two separate funding, but all added together, they're still approaching that, assisting local governments and tribal governments to begin the planning process for climate change and then also make on-the-ground improvements to prepare for a warmer and wetter Minnesota within their infrastructure, whether it's a wastewater treatment plant or a stormwater infrastructure or some other infrastructure of a local government. There's also uh, more than $200 million going to Department of Commerce for what we call a competitiveness fund, and that's really to help ensure that Minnesota businesses and 
governments and tribal governments can take advantage of the funding in the Inflation Reduction Act and the bipartisan infrastructure law at the federal level to make energy investments, uh, weatherization, uh, clean energy investments, and be able to match and take advantage of all the federal funding there. So, so there's a there's a significant amount of funding that in different places, and that's why it's a little difficult to to get the total number because we're looking through. Uh, various other bills to make sure that we, uh, we capture all of the significant investments. Uh, there were there were significant investments made in growing clean economy and clean jobs and clean manufacturing in Minnesota, and we're trying to, to, to tease out exactly how we want to count those, but that's really important as well. Okay, so that was the the one that stood out was forty five million. I didn't see those other two on this particular list, but it uh, looks like there's just everything from schools to residencies to water quality to yeah. cutting greenhouse gases. It it does seem to be across the board in terms of what you're doing, and including modernizing regional parks and trails and that sort of thing. Are, are there other things that stand out that your average person might be interested in knowing what this is being used for? Uh, yes, I think that w- one thing that didn't get as as much uh, coverage, but it's really critical and important. I mentioned it previously, but that's the investments that we're making in our landscapes, and that includes Minnesota's forests and the products that come from Minnesota's forests, and how those can play roles in reducing emissions, but also storing carbon on the landscape. But then also looking at all, many of our other landscapes, uh, including peatlands, which. Uh, for me, it's a, it's a major win because that's one landscape that in the past we had never really even talked about. And now we're getting some funding to put together to protect and restore Minnesota's peatlands as opportunities to store carbon. And then our grasslands and our wetlands and even our crop agricultural systems and looking for ways that all Minnesotans can have an opportunity to um, take action to protect Minnesota's climate, to store carbon, to reduce emissions and be prepared for the changing climate so that we are all well-situated for uh, the future and we're taking leadership in our contributions to solving this very difficult global problem. So how does that happen then? I mean, is there a committee somewhere that says this is what we need to do to, I don't know, preserve the peat bogs or whatever? I'm just trying to picture how, I mean, it's it's such an overwhelming wide I guess, ranging number of things that we're talking about here. So how does that happen without being bogged down in bureaucracy? That's a great question, and that's where that those funding are coming to multiple different agencies. And in many of these instances, we were looking to expand upon existing programs so that we weren't having to build everything from the ground up. Uh, but those kinds of discussions are, are also informed with the stakeholder input that we had in the year and a half that we developed the climate action framework. So we have some of those ideas of what some of the techniques and opportunities that exist. We're also looking, as I mentioned, at existing programs and existing opportunities that we already have in place. And how can we expand those or bring a heightened climate focus to those. An example there is within the Department of Agriculture, they have had the Minnesota Ag Water Quality Certification Program going for water quality protection. They have in recent years started to add a climate endorsement to those kinds of activities for those activities that would protect the climate. And now with this additional funding of additional practices, uh, they'll be able to strengthen and expand that work. So some of these will be expansions on existing programs, but some we will need to do 
uh, a lot of work listening to Minnesotans about how we want to roll these out and how we can identify the various practices and tools and techniques that are in our toolbox to move forward with these funding and still be in line with what the legislature funded us for. But we're very excited to have the funding and have the ability to focus on these and move forward. So what will the average person be seeing coming up in terms of this climate action framework? Because, you know, we want to know where's your dollar going? Will we be seeing anything? Will it all be behind the scenes? That's a really great question and something that we are starting to work on. We've been working on uh, here for the last year of those of us who were involved with building the climate action framework. We know that we can't let it gather digital dust out there on the Internet. We want to make sure that we are talking about how do we report back to Minnesotans, the average Minnesotans, about what's going to happen with the climate action framework. So we're talking about how can we continue the conversation and build the conversation based on what we received through this last legislative session and advance those conversations. I think other places where Minnesotans will see this funding coming to fruition is you're going to see uh, a lot of grant opportunities coming to Minnesotans, uh, particularly for local governments and tribal governments, and and sometimes for individuals uh, directly as well, to be able to seek funding that will help them make some of the transitions from the ways that we're doing things now to the ways that we can do things into the future that will support being more climate protective or being prepared for a changing climate. That's where we'll start to see some of the first opportunities exist is um, are are those granting opportunities and funding opportunities to Minnesotans to be able to start making those transitions. How will people have a say in maybe what happens to some of these dollars? Because you mentioned that people will have input, you'll listen, that sort of thing. That's a great idea. I think, you know, I can speak from the Push Control Agency. That's something we're very interested in, and, and we're talking about that right now. We're, we're looking at taking up a play from the federal government's playbook when they received uh, a similar large investment for climate-related funding, and, and we, we're going to be looking for stakeholder opportunities or other opportunities where we can go and hear from Minnesotans to say, what do Minnesotans need and how can we structure these granting opportunities to best meet those needs? So we're going to be really looking for different opportunities, uh, whether that's in a, a something that's more formal, like a request for information, or if we use some of the stakeholder engagement processes that we use for the Climate Action Framework or some survey tools there, because we really do want to hear from Minnesotans about What do they need so that we can make sure that the funding and the opportunities are going to meet the needs and the desires of Minnesotans to take climate action, reduce emissions, store more carbon, prepare for the changing climate, and build clean jobs and address um, equity in, in Minnesota's landscapes? In looking at the entire climate action framework, does anything pop out at you as the highest priority that needs to for sure get done immediately? Certainly one of the areas that was a top priority uh, in the climate action framework and for the legislature, and that was the 100% clean energy by 2040 bill. Uh, that, that did become law in February. That was one of the primary actions. And it's really critically important because once we have the clean electricity available to Minnesota, then we can use that clean electricity in different areas to start to reduce fossil fuel use and the emissions that are coming from those in the other sectors. Other areas that are, are clearly important are addressing emissions from the transportation sector as the largest greenhouse gas emitting sector in Minnesota. 
Uh, so there, there's quite a bit of funding to match for federal uh, grants for electric vehicle infrastructure. There's also funding for electric vehicle rebates and electric, electric bicycle rebates and for electric school bus uh, grants going to. So it's continuing a lot of the work that's already been going on at the federal level and some at the state level and moving that forward. Uh, but those are really two of uh, the key agent key areas that we're looking at. But certainly those investments in our landscapes are going to be really critical because uh, one challenge within that space is it takes time mm-hmm. for those systems to store the carbon. So the sooner we can get started with getting those landscapes and storing more carbon on, on those landscapes, and then, again, across crop agriculture, forests, wetlands, peatlands, uh, prairies, grasslands in Minnesota, then the, the sooner we start to see those benefits and the longer that that carbon is stored. So those are really three critical areas. And, and then the additional one is uh, we, we have millions of buildings and being able to uh, weatherize those, make those more energy efficient and reduce the emissions from the buildings are really going to be critical for us to be able to move forward. You had mentioned that the $700 million, I believe you said, a, a give or take, is going to be the number, probably more than 700 some million. And it's being going through committees or explain what's happening right now it just passed so what's happening right now so right now to to understand about that that amount uh and and you mentioned that there were 40 or more individual um, initiatives Mm -hmm. those are all now assigned to a particular agency through the funding levels and and the requirements in the in the law the funding law now so now what's happening are the Climate change subcabinet agencies that requested those or received those from the legislature are are now starting to look at what are the immediate next steps that we need to take to be prepared to accomplish the purposes of these these laws and these funding that was given to us. So we're starting to look at where do we need to hire people, where what kinds of programs do do we need to develop, how do we prepare ourselves so that we can. Uh, make the request for proposals for grant funding that we have. If there's a regulatory proposal or another regulatory action, how do we prepare ourselves to start moving as quickly as possible on those regulatory actions? So at each of the climate change subcabinet agencies that receive these, this funding and receive these directives uh, within the, the budget bill are all starting those discussions right now about how do we make sure that we can as quickly as possible but as smartly as possible get benefits to Minnesotans as quickly as possible. Will we be seeing any calls for public input from any of these groups? I anticipate that we we will see uh, opportunities for public input, for stakeholder engagement from many of the climate change subcabinet agencies. Again, speaking for the pollution control agency, that is something that we're very interested in with our resilient communities grants and our uh, climate action planning grants to be able to understand what Minnesota communities and tribal governments need most, and how can we make sure that we're moving forward as quickly as possible to address those needs. If any of our listeners want to learn more, maybe to understand what's all involved with this, where can they find out more information? You can find uh, out more information at uh, the Minnesota Government Climate Action Framework website, and I think the easiest way to find that is to uh, go to your favorite 
internet search engine and, and enter Minnesota Climate Action Framework, and that will take you to our website where we have the framework, and we'll be posting more information as we start to roll out the opportunities for stakeholder engagement and more explanations about how we're going to move forward with this uh, going ahead with this really historic investment in climate action in Minnesota. Does this have a time frame attached to it at all? Like we must accomplish such and such by the next session or or what? Uh, yes, most of them do. Uh, many of them have funding available either for the next two years, starting on July 1 of this year and going through June 30th of 2025. Uh, though uh, a number of the funding is also available uh, through June 30th of 2027. It just depends on on how the legislature appropriated and provided those funds. And so it's going to be between two to four years is the timeline that we are targeting about moving forward with the efforts and the activities and the funding. And how do we measure if it's successful, if they would fund additional in the future? That's a a two-part question to that. The (laughs) two-part answer would be, one, we continue to look for and and build the greenhouse gas emission inventory for the state. And so we'll be looking at how are the opportunities that we have built into the the bill and and the programs, how are we making changes and and doing some projections based on the work that we're proposing and getting started now, what that's going to look like. And then within each of these programs, we're all going to be developing our own set of progress measures so that we can communicates to Minnesotans and to the legislature and to the administration about how are we progressing on ensuring that this investment in climate action in Minnesota is bringing benefits to all Minnesotans. We are talking with Frank Kolosh, who is the Assistant Commissioner of Air and Climate Policy here in the state of Minnesota. And Frank, I hope we'll be able to check in with you in the future to see how things are going and see where the the talks have led. Absolutely. Uh, happy to be back anytime you you, uh, you want. Thank you very much, and, and we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union. With two locations in Mankato since 1934, it pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA. More at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org. RG.